Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. to be here with Alex, founder of Lemon's Life, and we're going to be talking about death and the process and the, the way to sort of manage it effectively, both emotionally and um, practically. So a little bit of background on Alex, and she'll share this further. Um, so she's an entrepreneur with social impact background. She's on a mission to transform the way that we deal with death and that we, the way that we talk about it as well, because it's one of those taboo subjects. And for women as well, I think it aligns very much with what we do at the Jura Society with ensuring that we are protected from, you know, the, um, the unexpected. And this is something that Alex has personal experience with as well. And she's also the co-founder of the Good Queef Guide, Gitco, sorry, um, which she's going to explain a little bit more about. So thank you so much for being here, Alex. I really, really appreciate this. And I understand it's your first IG Live as well. So excited. Yes. So we'll just go at your own pace and no pressure whatsoever. We're just chatting and you know, you've got so many wonderful, wonderful things to share as well. So Alex, over to you, a little bit on your background. Yeah, um so thank you so much for um for giving me the opportunity to chat all things death. It's um something I think as you said, uh, the taboo that we need to break down in society. In terms of my actual sort of professional background, I came from the charity sector. So my background is communicating, you know, great social causes. Um, I've worked for youth charities and uh, organizations that support women as well. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess I'm bringing that kind of experience of um, changing social conversations, social norms, um, changing behavior in society to what I'm gonna do next and wanna spend my life doing really now, which is, um, helping people to have better conversations about death. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very tough conversation for people to have, and I think it's one of those things that you would just never think happens, but I suppose, like, taxes, death is inevitable, and it kind of runs on from our last discussion, which was on taxes, but actually nobody thinks of organising themselves around it, and nobody quite knows the process, and it's sort of when it's too late, and then you've got the emotional burden on top of that, and you can't think straight, and, and I think what you're doing as well to normalise these conversations, to get families to actually think about it before it's too late, so that you're putting provisions in place, and you're opening the discussion is just so helpful, so thank you for doing this, Alex. Um, and I don't know if you want to share your experience and your motivation into why you've set up Lemon's Life. Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, lots of us entrepreneurs come to this stuff because we've experienced something personal um, and then we actually see a gap in the market. And you see that all the time with sort of mum businesses. Um, but yeah, uh, tragically, my husband died in 2018. Yeah. And, you know, I was in my mid-30s. I was kind of expecting to have a family. And um, we had talked about, um, you know, what having a family might mean for us um, in terms of wills and kind of pension provision and all of that kind of, you know, life admin. But a lot of it just hadn't got done and, and we didn't have a will. 
so when he died, um, it caused huge problems and, and huge unexpected issues that I just didn't have to, I didn't think I would have to deal with. Um, and I think, it, I think that's where I became most passionate about like fixing this, which is, you know, there's lots of busy women out there who are getting on with life, whether they've got kids or not it's very easy to to think oh well this is something i have to deal with you know later on in life and it's kind of you know i've got to think about my parents uh you know and i've got to think about my children but actually you yourself um can be unfortunately in a situation where you know your whole life turns up completely upside down um so yeah i i, I sort of after the sort of dust had settled and i'd kind of spent some time you know grieving and, and thinking about his death I sort of looked around me, all my wonderful, savvy, brilliant girlfriends and asked them, you know, do you have a will? And they just looked at me like, no, why would I have sorted that out? <laughs> um, and then I realised that there was kind of a, a really big conversation that needed to happen to get um, women of a kind of certain age group, 30, 40, 50, to really engage with this. Um, so that's kind of where Lemons.life um, originated from. And there were loads of... Um, you know, online will provision services out there. But I just felt no one was speaking to women directly and no one was trying to break it down and speak in, in a language that um, that sort of engaged or was sort of interesting to women. So um, that's kind of, yeah, how I, how I came about. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm just in complete admiration for you having, the, you know, the strength and determination and not only to, to bring yourself to, to be able to be an entrepreneur, but to to have that mission as well to help others I think is just incredible so <laughs> congratulations and thank you for doing that because as well you know from my background when I've been helping clients and individuals wills is always at the bottom of the list and I don't think people understand what a will does and I think that's really the crux of it because you just are like so it's where I'm giving my assets to like surely if I'm married it will be okay and there are a lot of assumptions and myths that need to be dispelled and I think I don't know if you want to sort of give some of what you you know what your assumptions were or maybe what some of your girlfriends were saying and what you're trying to be like no 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 <laughs> yeah definitely the assumptions that you make and I I too was like well I'm married so I'm protected yeah. like it's totally fine um and then you know several things became a surprise um, and just really basic things like um I think a will gives a couple an opportunity whether you're married or not it gives you an opportunity to have a like a really grown-up discussion about money between you and there had there was, for example, his one of his workplace pensions. Um, he hadn't updated the beneficiaries on that, so you know I wasn't on it. And he'd set up this pension, you know, many years before meeting me, which is fair enough. We all have sort of several pots of pensions sort of around, and so I had to have a bit of a fight with the trustees of this um, the, the pension to say, well, I think I should get this money. And, and obviously the, 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 main, the named beneficiary was actually his mother. And so we came to an agreement about kind of who got what, but it was a very uncomfortable conversation for me to then have with her. Uh, we didn't know what his wishes would have been with this pot of money. Obviously it was going to help me immensely if, if that money came to me, but then I was left in a position where I had to sort of negotiate both the trustees of the pension and with my mother-in-law. Um, whilst we're both experiencing deep, deep grief. Um, so I think it's just things like that where you just think, oh, well, I'm married, everything will come to me, but it's not that simple. And um, that's just sort of one very small example. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but again, that point of 
dealing with administration when you're going through a particularly emotional time is just not on your agenda. And then the sort of the institutions who are controlling this don't seem to have an awareness or a, a, an empathy towards grieving parties. And, you know, I think now they're a little bit more sensitive with banks and that they're, they're kind of aware that actually it's humans who are using their services, mm-hmm. but traditionally they haven't been. And having to fill out the complex paperwork, you know, maybe you have to instruct a lawyer, it's a diff, uh, you know, additional layers and costs that you really don't need at that time when, as you rightly say, this is your grieving time, it shouldn't be. Now we've got to learn a new language, we've got to learn the legal process, and we have to negotiate or have these difficult conversations with family members and guess what their wishes might have been so it's so yeah and and this is why this conversation is so important I think the whole thing around institutions and how banks and you know all the different bodies that you have to deal with is a really interesting one and I think they are getting better they are sort of working on it but you know it took me I'd say 18 months to to even get close to finishing all the, the admin yeah um and you know the mortgage and all you know all the different elements that things that take time to work through and when someone dies intestate um which means they die without a will the the probate process itself is more complicated so you know if you have a will um then then it kind of just it sort of gets fast-tracked but if you don't then then the state sort of basically has to take a step back and make sure that everything you say is going on is going on um and that, that means that everything is kind of just delayed. So yeah, it can take an enormous amount of time and, and calling up institutions, you know, again and again and again and saying, my husband's da- died, you know, mm-hmm. and then having someone on the other end of the call who's, you know, 20 and very nice, but doesn't sort of understand how to approach what you're going through. Uh, it's just horrible. It's really, really horrible. So um, yeah, the, the kind of, the more steps you can put in place ahead of time, the, the, the easier it will be on your loved one, whoever that person is that has to deal with your estate. Well, exactly. I think also at that point on probate can be a real sticking point when it comes to cash flow. Because if, for instance, you didn't have any income of your own, it's all tied up with your partner, and then you're not able to access that money that maybe you were both sharing or living off, suddenly you've got a freeze on your accounts and you can't live you know, your life and you're waiting for that money to come through. And that is adding additional layers of stress to, you know, your life. Absolutely. And, you know, um, people don't think of things like, you know, you have to pay for funerals and Mm -hmm. those extremely expensive outlays. You know, a very inexpensive funeral is between five and six thousand pounds. And, you know, obviously what happened to me was extreme to, to, to be thinking about my husband's funeral, you know, at 35. But, but, you know, you're spending a lot of money and, and, you know, depending on the size of the funeral, what you think someone would have wanted, you could be spending 10, 12,000 pounds just straight up. So, yeah. yeah, it's all the kind of financial decisions that you have to make um, around a death um, that, yeah, can put a huge strain on your finances and yeah. kind of unexpected um, costs that you, that you just wouldn't have been budgeting for. No, no, because it's, again, it's totally unexpected. So could you run through a little bit on the service that you provide with Lemons Life and, and how that works? Yeah, so Lemons.life is, is just an online will. Um, it is a fully engrossed will. Uh, once you fill in your form, uh, it will be sent to a solicitor who will look at it and make sure that it is legally watertight. Um, so we are all about making it simple and easy. Um, 
there's a huge debate in the will making community about whether you should be going to um, sort of a high street solicitor who can really tailor this stuff for you. Um, but with those kinds of services, you can be expecting to pay 600, 700, maybe a thousand pounds. Our service is aimed at people who need simple wills. So a simple will is, you know, I know who, who my, uh, I'm going to pass my money to, I know who I'm going to pass my property to. Um, and the whole sort of concept is to, is to get it done, really. Mm. Um, and I'm incredibly passionate about that and feel that, you know, getting a will in place is the best possible thing. Uh, if you have more sort of um, intricate circumstances, maybe you have a blended family, for example, um, or there's been a recent divorce, or there's, lot, there's reasons why you might want to seek out sort of extra advice, then I always recommend that people do that and pay that extra money because ultimately that is the most important thing to be protected, for your family to be protected. But for people who kind of have a fairly simple estate, uh, and an estate means your, your sort of worldly belongings, um, then my online service basically allows you to, to complete that process. So you fill in the will, uh, for, it takes about 15, 20 minutes. You make the decisions you need to, to make. And then um, within five days, it's posted back to you. And then you get it signed by uh, a witness. Um, uh, and then it's done. And you keep a copy uh, you know, in your files and you make sure that the people around you know that it exists. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And I think exactly, it's a great starting point. And I think that actually it'd be quite useful. What would be, say, um, who would be benefit from this? Like, what are your kind of like your typical um, clients? Yeah, so I'm really going after kind of people who look and sound and are in the same position as, as me, which is that they're, you know, busy women, you know, forging their careers in their you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s, and into their 50s. But they, but they are baffled and like, just the jargon of it all is all a bit like, what is all that? So I have a jargon buster on the website. And I also offer a service where people can book in with me and I'll just take you through everything and explain everything and make it as simple as possible. Because it is all written in funny legal language. And we just how what is all this about? Um, so my typical customers are um, you know, people who, 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 who don't want to spend a huge amount of money, really, um, but know that it's a really important um, thing that they need to do. And it's kind of been on their list of things to do for years. I speak to people who have said, I'm, I've been thinking about this for like five years. And I hear really funny stories about how people have got it done. One friend only finished it on the way to the hospital to have her baby. Um, because she was like, oh gosh, I'm really going to lay my clothes on. One couple I know did it on holiday when they were in Devon and they just passed a sort of high street solicitor and they thought, oh, let's do it now. You know, we've kind of got the headspace. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how, I don't really care how you do no. it. I just want you to do it. And, um, and I, you know, my kind of position in, in, in is that, you know, having a will is better than not having a will. Yeah, I completely agree. And I've had that with, yeah, med clients where it's like five years, yeah, I don't want to do it. And I think we spoke about this before is the hesitation because people just don't want to think about it. You know, and, and you have this sort of um, eternal outlook and everything is great. And, and this is the, the thing with protecting yourself and protecting anybody is the best time to do it is when there is no problem. But that's when you're least incentivized to do it. So getting things like critical illness cover, you know, a prenup, anything like these sort of protection wrappers that you can put on an individual, you never think to do it until you need it. And when you need it, it's likely to be too late. That's right. And I also think we have to acknowledge that it's not just the thoughts around death that are difficult. 
mm. and that is difficult like what how what i want people to do with my body that's a difficult decision and that takes lots of sort of god i don't know yeah. but i actually think that the, the reason people struggle is not to do with the feelings around death actually okay i think it's the feelings around money mm. and you know it is a really weird thing and i think british people with money it's a weird like tell me about it <laughs> Um, and you have to have some quite honest conversations with the people in your life about, you know, who you want to trust to administer your estate and who you want to give your, your money to. And obviously you can keep it very private, but with your partner, you do need to have those conversations and about kind of what you're giving to who, um, and kind of how much of your estate you might want to give to charity and all the kind of different decisions around that. And I actually think that's where a lot of people get stuck, which is that it just feels so big and emotional um that they just never make those decisions so my advice is kind of don't worry about it too much just put the basic stuff down in the world like i think i want my money my estate to go to my partner basically and i think i might want to be cremated and then you can do something which is called the letter of wishes um which sits alongside a will and then is kind of like instructions to your executors um, and you can add all sorts of things into that. And that, that doesn't have to be updated um, through a solicitor or through a will process. That can just sit separately. So then you can sort of update that yearly and think, oh, actually, you know, I now, I now want to add an, an extra person to receive, um, you know, a particular item of sentimental value or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so I really recommend kind of not getting too stuck on, on the big stuff and kind of just moving it forward. Well, yeah, and I think that this is, it's again with um, people saying, with, with anything sort of financial or legal, they think that once it's done, it's done. But actually, it is fluid. As with everything, you can make alterations, you can come back to it. So as you say, just getting something down, just in case, as a, you know, bare bones, and then you can review it every year, yes. every five years, at any sort of family or, um, you know, life event, you can yes. review it. And I think this is what people are worried about, is that like, oh, once I've done it, this is committed forever. Exactly. And I really want to um, help Sorry, support a shift. That's why I keep turning around. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to help support a shift in people's thinking because you know that every year you have to update your content insurance or your car yeah. insurance. And okay, you may not want to think about your death every single year. But like, actually, if you sat down and said, this year, I'm going to renew my will. And it's just part of the other aspects of my financial life that I have to be thinking about. Then, then it wouldn't feel so scary. It's not such a permanent thing. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and that's part of, you know, that's what I nag people about a lot of the time. It's like part of your annual review, because um, that's what I always get my clients to do. You do an annual review, you sit yourself down, you be the CEO of your own company, and you go through all of your documentation, you go through your finances, you align your, you know, your uh, investment risk, and, you know, all of these things, and just having your will on there as part of it is just, I think, and this is what you're trying to achieve as well, is becoming normal conversation. It's not daunting. It's something you need to get done. You're better with it than without it. And I think as well, lining up with all the weddings and everything coming along, it's almost something you just tag on as part of your getting married list. <laughs> that would be something I'd really like to see. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why not? People are so worried about their honeymoon. But actually, I think more importantly, getting your will in place and doing that just as part and parcel should be, yeah, you need to get it on the wedding shop list or something, you know, buy your mate a will. Yeah. And that, I think that's also right, which is that women, um, and I was definitely one of them, are too often we delegate that stuff to our partner. Either because we're lazy, and I think I probably was lazy, or I didn't really understand it and I didn't want to engage in it, and I thought, oh, well, he'll do it, so it's fine. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's really about owning that process and saying to yourself, you know, like, I, you know, I'm an adult. I have to, I have to take this on because I have to understand and do it myself. Um, and now there's yeah. a facility to do it where you have no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not doing it, why? You need to give a really good reason why. No, that's brilliant. And then, just to just to go back as well. So, what what were the other? So, without having well, like with the process of death and going through that i know we mentioned probate you've got the will or you haven't got the will were there any other significant um administrative processes that you felt that you had to go through that you were like wow i wish i had additional help on that or i wish i'd known more about that yeah i mean i think so the mortgage was in his name and oh. i paid rent effectively or yeah. I, I gave him money for the mortgage and then i didn't realize that that meant that when he died the mortgage had to be paid off effectively i couldn't then just take it on because it had to be a whole new mortgage and i couldn't oh, afford yeah, that yeah. Earned more than, than me so i think that sort of thing and, and you're like you're bubbling along you know yeah, you're so to I think, um just being really clear with oh. your partner about your kind of main financial outlay which is often the mortgage mm -hmm. about you know what are the arrangements should um because it, yeah it's it, you know you, sometimes people have a joint mortgage and that's fine but uh mm. he just had the mortgage in his name um and i paid him um kind of my half of it really um so i think just stuff like that being really clear and i think that's why i talk about how it is difficult to have these conversations within your relationship because you know you have to kind of front up about money and who has expectations about kind of what mm. um uh and you know it's very common but i earned much less than him um mm -hmm. so that's why the mortgage was in his name and we were married so i kind of didn't think it was a problem but yeah so it's just like having greater clarity about the arrangements uh that are your main kind of financial um sort of cornerstones of your life really yeah and i think that also links in with um insurances and, and people don't think about that so a lot of time people will take out life cover for instance in case of a scenario like this where perhaps you've lost the main breadwinner's income and actually to be able to repay the mortgage is going to be tricky and maybe there aren't other assets to pay that off so sometimes they'll take out you know uh you know, a life policy that in the event of death will pay off that mortgage so that you wouldn't have to say sell a property because it can be a huge upheaval on your lifestyle on your you know your emotional and then if you have children and the schooling there's a lot of elements that if you don't have it documented in a will it can become quite messy quite quickly it can and and he didn't have life insurance which i wasn't really aware of yeah what he did have was death and service benefit but i didn't really even realize that until after he'd gone and thankfully the death and service benefit kind of compensated for the value of what um a life insurance policy might have paid out which was presumably why he decided not to do it but yes, yes. um but yeah it all came as a massive surprise and ultimately that's the what i'm kind of describing is it shouldn't have been a surprise i should have been aware um of kind of our, of my position and and his position should i have died yeah um so that's that's the bit that you need to kind of get to and and you know we were sort of just a bit blithe about the whole thing and it wasn't because we found it difficult to talk about money um quite the opposite he, you know we we found it okay but it's just these kind of big life arrangements we've never really drilled down into or kind of spent the time on. And there were always more fun things to be doing. And um, yeah, you're having life, you're newlyweds, you know, exactly. the, the whole world at your, at your fingertips. Um, exactly. It's not the kind of thing that you would ever dream of having to arrange, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so 
how what would be your your three top tips for anybody I suppose anybody who's going through a position which you went through where it is an unexpected death and then maybe for anybody who's in a position where you know they're not there yet but actually what what could they do to organize themselves before the yeah so for people who are who are kind of going through it i think asking for help is the, is the biggest thing and asking for help from both friends and family and being quite specific about what you think people can help you with mm. um and also asking from help for help from professionals both um you know the kinds of people that you and i would pull in um but also from you know grief therapists and grief counselors and kind of you know all, all the stuff that you might want to put around yourself to have that bit of extra kind of emotional support um but friends and family are kind of waiting to be told what to do and i think there's this really difficult dynamic between um a griever and their friends and family because the griever doesn't feel able to ask often mm-hmm. um and they don't always know what they want and their mood changes frequently and it's really difficult to know but the people around you are really waiting to kind of to roll up their sleeves and, and do something. Tell me what to do. <laughs> exactly. And then whether that is just the simple stuff like cooking and cleaning and yeah. stuff, or whether it's more practical. And so, for example, um, I, I, my dad basically said, look, do you want me to deal with some of the pension stuff? And I was like, oh, yes, brilliant. Thank you. So he took a lot of that off, off my plate, which was, was difficult because, you know, I was used to being independent, um, woman and not kind of involving my father you know in my financial affairs but I really needed a bit of kind of extra support around that I didn't want to have to deal with it um so people are kind of waiting so yeah top tip just like please ask people specific things you think that they can help with and and, and often bereaved people you know you can write a list and Mm. circulate it by email and be like what can you do what can you help with these are the things that I specifically need need help with like who can pick up the phone on a Tuesday to a bank or whatever so that's one thing and then i think in terms of preparing like i would say this wouldn't i but um doing your will but even more than doing your will um and your kind of um lasting powers of attorney and all the kind of like paperwork it's actually to have conversations with your loved ones about what it is is that you want um and i think you know even if you never get it written down at least if there's been lots of people who've had that conversation with you then people are more aware of what you would want to have happen so I didn't 100% know that my husband would want to be cremated. I just sort of yeah. assumed that that kind of figured and was sort of what he would have been okay with. I didn't know where then he would want those ashes to be scattered or anything like that. So I had to sort of guess. And if I if we'd had a more explicit conversation about it, then I wouldn't have felt so sort of lost. So I think my top tip is please just talk to the talk to the people around you, talk to your loved ones, so that even if it never gets written in a formal document, they know that what they're doing is the right thing. Um, and then just one sort of other one on, um, if you are supporting someone who's grieving, is, is to do something, is to, is to offer that help. And um, my kind of other business is around um, supporting people who are um, wanting to help and uh, might want to offer a gift or support. Um, so that's called Good Grief Gift Company. Um, and that's all about kind of, I know someone's struggling, what do I do? How do I answer that question? So I'm trying to work it from, from all angles. Um, but yeah, do something, send a text, um, make sure that the, the griever, the person who's really struggling knows that you're there and that you Yeah, just to, to let them know that you're thinking of them. Exactly. Um, and it's a really tough one because 
we're all individual and we, we grieve differently. But um, doing something is better than nothing. And you often hear from people who are grieving that people just ignore it or they sort of skate over it or they even sort of cross the road to it to avoid the difficult conversation. And I think that, that all of that is, the, is just makes the grief so much harder. Yeah, yeah um, you don't want to be isolated. Exactly. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I can only imagine what it's been like for people grieving through COVID because yeah. they have been socially isolated. They have um, been more alone than, than I was because it, what happened to me happened before the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, reach out as much as you can. That would be my top tip. Oh, oh, well, thank you. And and I, I will circulate all of the places that everybody can get hold of you, Alex. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. I mean, yeah, if anybody needs any further information, I think Alex is your go-to girl. Um, and I will also, if anybody signed up to the newsletter, we'll be um, circulating a little treat for you in um, connection with Live. So keep an eye out for that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess, thank you. That's all, that's all I can say for now and yeah i really look forward to, to watching you grow with this and anyway i can support you in this mission as well that's so kind and thank you i thoroughly enjoyed my first ig live <laughs> great well yeah onwards i look forward to seeing you in lots 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 more <laughs> you're a fantastic speaker thank you thank you all right speak soon bye bye-bye thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. If you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.